0: Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Before darkness overtakes you, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Friends, welcome to Cassidy. Thank you so much for being here. We are excited to have you with us. Thanks for joining us in this online community uh, of Building Disciples for Jesus Christ. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and it is a joy to be able to come together to celebrate what Jesus is doing and continues to do in community around us. Uh, If you're new here, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. We are excited that you are with us, and we believe that together, Together we can go in the direction that Jesus is calling us to. We know that we don't have it all together, but we know the one who does, and that's Jesus Christ. And we want to be more like Jesus. We want to live more like Jesus, and we want to love more like Jesus. And we want to invite you to come along with us on this journey of faith discovery, of understanding who Jesus is and what Jesus' mission is for us in this world. So we're excited that you're here. Uh, We've been talking about this whole idea of let there be light the idea that, that we really need God's light in the world, and, and that Jesus describes himself as the light of the world, and we can hold fast to Jesus even when the world seems to be a bit of a dark place. And, and we also talked about how light eliminates fear, how light removes fear from the equation, and that we can have faith and hope and trust in what Jesus is calling us to because we know that he is with us. And and we continued that idea by saying that light also provides perspective. Light gives us perspective on the world around us, on the situations that we're in, and on the way that we can move forward, recognizing who we are and whose we are. And this week we're going to continue looking at this idea of, of let there be light, inviting Jesus into our world, into our lives, so that we can come to life in the light of Jesus Christ. When I was a kid, I, I, we used to go uh, camping. And every year, I, I didn't realize this until my mom kind of pointed it out, but every year we would go to Wolf Creek Park. Uh, it was a state park in Texas. And we would go in August. Because I always had to take summer school. Uh, that was just the way that I rolled Had I not taken summer school every year, we could have gone when it wasn't surface of the sun hot in Texas. Uh, but that's when we went because I always had summer school. So we went in August and every once in a while there would be kids there. But one of the things that was great about Wolf Creek Park was it was right on the shore of Lake Livingston. And so there was camping and we would have our tent out there and then we would go bass fishing or skiing or whatever. Uh, but there were also nature trails. And Wolf Creek Park is, if you've never been to, to Texas to uh, see any of the, the forested area or the, the woods, as we call them, um, it, it's just massive, massive. Pine trees, and so there's not a lot of foliage on the ground. There, there's pine pine needles everywhere, uh, but there's not a lot of undergrowth. And so there were trails and places that you could walk, and you could uh, you could see forever when you were walking through them. It was just this uh, really interesting feel of of a light overcast because the sun wasn't directly shining through the trees, which is why nothing grew on the ground. But but it was it was just surreal. It was really cool, and for a young man, it was just adventure time. I would go anywhere and everywhere and have adventures, whether I was fighting off uh, aliens uh, with Luke Skywalker, or whether I was uh, fighting pirates, or whatever it was that I had imagined myself doing, maybe running with Indiana Jones trying to find the next great, amazing discovery. But whatever it was... It was just awesome uh, to be able to do that in such, such a unique place. And, and this one year I was out there and, and I lost track of time. And I was out there by myself uh, and the sun started to go down and I didn't notice it until it was already too late, until the sun had already set. And then, friends, then I noticed for sure because now I was standing in the dark uh, trying to figure out how to get back to the campsite in the middle of Wolf Creek State Park? It's not a little bitty, uh, you know, two-acre set of land. It's massive, and so now I'm trying to figure. Like I, I was, I, I looked on the sides of trees trying to find out. Okay, which way is north? You know, trying to tap into all my Cub Scout, Boy Scout uh, intellect to figure out how to navigate my way back. And and I I, I listened. I stood there with my eyes closed, turning in different directions, trying to see if I could hear anything, the, the, the sound of a car, a car horn, anything that I could, that I could hear to say, okay, I'm going to go in that direction. But I heard nothing. It was dead quiet. And, and I, I was really uh, pretty nervous about this because I knew that the paths Kind of led around. It wasn't like one trail that everybody went on. It was all kinds of game trails and paths that went off one way or another way. And you could see, uh, see where the, the pine needles had been moved out of the way, but you never knew if it was going to go back into the forest or, or, or out toward the campground. So I had to choose a direction. And, and I was wandering in the dark. And one of my biggest fears was, I know that when I walk through a a forest or or through woods, uh, just like everybody else, I don't know that I'm keeping on a straight line. I I didn't have anything to navigate toward. I, I, I just set off in this direction and hoped that I was still going in that direction after about 100 feet. Now, I don't remember how long it took. It couldn't have taken that long. But for me, it felt like an eternity until I saw off in the distance... A light. I saw it peeking through the trees and, and it seemed to be brighter in that general direction. And I started moving faster toward the light. And and, and it became easier to navigate because now I had a direction and, and, and somewhere I was headed. And, and so the light kept getting brighter and brighter. And I, I kept feeling more and more hopeful. And I broke through the trees and there before me lit up like a Christmas tree was the marina at Wolf Creek Park. I knew in that moment that I was going to be okay because now, surrounded by the lights of the marina, I knew that I was only about six minutes from the campsite. And so I, I headed back to the campsite, and friends, I had never been more excited to see the lantern that my dad used to light, that old Coleman propane lantern that he would light and hang from the tree. And I, I could see that lantern, and I knew that I was going in the right direction. And I knew that I was going to be surrounded by my family, those that loved me. And, and what was great for me is in that moment, you know, I walked up uh, and, and my dad was like, hey, man, how are you? You know, he, di- he didn't realize that I had, I had just wandered aimlessly and, and gotten lost in the dark of the forest, of the woods, and, and didn't know if I was going to make it. Out or make it back in my own head. And, and so I, of course, played it off. I was like, hey, you know, just down by the marina, <laughs> right? right? I, I didn't want him to know how, how nervous I had been about wandering aimlessly through the dark. And, and that taught me a very serious truth. Uh, and it teaches all of us, and we've all experienced this, but the truth is this. Light reveals the path. Light reveals the path that we can, can make progress toward. When, when I saw that light off in the distance, I was able to move faster because I knew my destination was that light. When I, when I saw the light off in the distance, I knew that I was going to be okay, and, and it, it provided a, a path for me to move to make that idea a reality. And that's what Jesus offers to us. Jesus offers to us a light for a path that isn't just a, a direction so that you can get from point A to point B. Jesus offers us a path of restoration. Restoration of ourselves with God and restorations of us with one another and with the community that God seeks to build around His church. The church uh, in, in Jesus' idea is not uh, a building or a place that you go to. The church is the people of God doing the work of God. And, and so when, when Jesus says, hey, I want to be the light for you, I'll, I'll be with you and, and give you light and, and illuminate your path, it's the path toward restoration of that relationship with the Father and of restoration with a relationship to the community of faith, to the people that are going to be serious about following Jesus Christ. That's one of the most interesting things, I think, uh, of all the miracles that you read that Jesus does. Almost all of them are, are multifaceted. Almost all of them have another purpose. Most of them are are not just the healing or or the the miraculous water into the wine. They're, They're to keep or restore the community. To God, community is so important. Jesus didn't raise a group of disciples together to have them go and be individuals. He raised a group of disciples together to be the church, people united in the purposes of God. And, and so he calls them and sends them into the world in a movement where they have built and continue to build community. And community has always been important for Jesus. Like I said, his miracles uh, demonstrate that. He had the, the miracle of the Gerasian demoniac. Uh, the, the region of the Gerasians was across the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus and his disciples went across the Sea of Galilee and, and arrived in this region. And this man who had been, uh, had been fighting with, with demons, had been possessed by demons, comes running down and throws himself at the feet of Jesus and says, What do you want with me, Son of the Most High? Now, this, this story is one of those stories that we can read and we can be like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. But what really fascinates me isn't the fact that Jesus cast the demons out into a, 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 a herd of swine or pigs and that they charge down and drown themselves. It isn't that the people were astonished by this. It is the way that the story resolves. It resolves, resolves this way. Jesus is approached by the the man who used to be possessed, who is now in his right mind and is behaving like a a rational, normal human being. And and he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no. And, And sometimes we don't catch that. He says, no, not because he's going to be harsh to the man, not because he is not Jewish, but because he wants to restore him to his family. As a matter of fact, Jesus says this, return to your home and, and, and declare how much God has done for you. Return to your home. Be restored to your community. And in that restoration, be light for Jesus Christ. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. He went away proclaiming to the people that knew him as a a crazy person living among the tombs, as somebody that was uh, overwhelmed by demon possession and now was in his right mind. And and I just love the way that Jesus restored him to his community. Leprosy uh, was uh, a, a serious disease in the old and new testament it was one that people were terrified about what would happen is uh if you had an injury it could be anything from eczema to dry skin you would have to go and present yourself to the priest and when you did that if it met a certain set of qualifications then it was considered leprosy and you were outside of the city for seven days and then you could come back and present yourself again to the priest hopeful that he would then declare you clean. But there was also leprosy that was uh, something that didn't go away quick and easy. And, and what would happen is if you were, to, like I said, you would be sent out for seven days. But if, if, if you kept coming back to the priest and you continually were shown that it was not uh, something that was going to go away, then you had to continue to live outside of community. You couldn't go back to your house. You had to go to the, community, the, the uh, outside of the community to live in a different location. And if you came in anywhere near somebody, you would have to scream out unclean so that they would know that they wouldn't come in contact with you. Because Remember, uncleanness or being unclean was contagious in the mindset of the, the the Jews at the point at this point in time. So if if you brushed elbows with somebody that was unclean, then you would be considered unclean. And so this this, this scene that Jesus has is of a leper that has that been outside of community for a long time, and he wants to go back to community, and he comes in Matthew's gospel, comes before Jesus Christ. It says this, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him, didn't shout out unclean, so he's taking his life into his own hands, but he kneels before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me Clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Friends, we, we can't understand it. I mean, if you have been um, outside of being able to be touched, now maybe we have more of an understanding than, than we, we ever had because we can't shake hands. We're not supposed to be hugging. We're not supposed to be doing any, any of those things. And, and it, it, it leaves a space for us because we like human contact. We're made to be together, to be part of community. And so when Jesus reaches out his hand and touched the man, this was before he declared the man clean. Now, he knew he was going to make the man clean. But think of the, the implications to that man, the restoration of who he was, in the eyes of community, when Jesus reaches out and touches him and, and, and says, "Be clean," immediately he was cleansed from his leprosy. Now what he would do is, once he's made clean from his leprosy, is he would, he would go back to the priest and he would show himself to the priest, and he would be then allowed to return to community. All of these miracles are twofold. Jesus heals, and then they return. To community. One of my favorite stories comes from the gospel uh, of, of Matthew, of, and it's a woman that's been subject to bleeding. Um, she has been subject to bleeding, and the rules on that are similar to those uh, about uh, being unclean from leprosy, that you would have to live outside of the community, that you would have to stay away from your family and from your friends as long as you uh, had evidence of bl- blood uh, in, in your li- in your life. And, and for this woman, she had been struggling with this for 12 years years. Twelve years she had been trying to get back into community and she was at her wits end so much so that instead of walking into town declaring herself unclean, she sneaks into town so that she can just touch the hem of Jesus' robe. She just wants so badly to be able to be healed, to be restored to her her family and to her community and to her friends and and, and to go back to living life. And so she sneaks into town and, and she grabs the hem of Jesus' robe, knowing that she can be healed if she just but touches his robe. And she is healed, and Jesus knows that power has gone out, and it's, a, it's this great conversation between the disciples and Jesus of, I know that somebody has, has touched me, and, and she sees that the, the jig is up. She knows that she is busted, and so she tells Jesus what has been going on, that for 12 years she struggled to get well. And, and Jesus, instead of rebuking her, Jesus says this, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Friends, her suffering wasn't just the physical ailment that she dealt with. Her suffering was that she wasn't able to be a part of the community that she so desperately longed to be a part of. Her her life had been derailed for 12 years, and Jesus' healing restores her to that community, sends her before the priest to prove that now she is no longer unclean but clean, and that she can return to her community, to her family, to her life. And, and the truth is this, friends. The path that Jesus illuminates is a path that is integrated in community and dedicated to the building of the kingdom of God. It's integrated in community that... that It is part of community. Community is part of who we are when we follow Jesus Christ. It's part of how we live as faithful followers of Christ, and it's part of what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus calls us into community so that we can come to life in each other, so that we can find ourselves in in that community, and so that we can be a part of that community. It, It is It is directed and dedicated action to the following of the path that Jesus illuminates. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world and the one who gives us light and hope in life. In John's gospel, it says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus longs for us to have light and life in him. And that comes in the form of community. It comes in the form of faithfully following Jesus Christ and moving in the direction that Jesus is calling us to go. Friends, one of the things that I, I wanted to do in this series was each, each week to, to come up with a way that we could have an actionable thing that we could do to make a difference, that we could do to to build up the kingdom of God. And and so I I, I decided to turn uh, in in all of my great theological works to Google to see what Google had to say about how we implement being faithful followers of Jesus. And, and, And it said this, it gave us some ideas. One, pray throughout your day. The second one was read your Bible. Another was read a devotional. And, and then my favorite, listen to positive and encouraging music. Uh, then uh, give yourself 15 minutes of, of alone time. And finally, jot your thoughts down in a journal. And what strikes me with this, while, while these are all good things to do individually, none of this is about community. None of this is about what we need to do. How do we actually follow and live like Jesus? We need to get busy living like Jesus instead of just studying who Jesus was or, or just paying attention to what Jesus said. We need, to, we need to implement it. We need to embrace what Jesus has said. We need to start to come alive in who Jesus is because if we don't, then we're selling Jesus short and we're not following the path that Jesus has put us on and we're not moving toward the light, but instead we're wandering off in the woods all by ourselves, alone in the darkness, just hoping we're going in the right directions. Friends, here's the deal. We, we, we need to come alive in Jesus Christ to the point where we are able to do that in community. When I, when I first became Christian, one of the things that I found was that in community, I really felt more connected and alive. And I had others that would lift me up in prayer and I would see people that were fearlessly pursuing living like Jesus, that that would break down barriers and love people that were on the fringe of society, that would not afraid to make a difference in the world for Jesus Christ by loving boldly in the name of Jesus Christ, by forgiving their enemies, by forgiving those that did wrong to them, and, and making it known that they were forgiven, by living the way that Jesus lived. And by loving the way that Jesus loved. This is the path that Jesus calls us to. This path of community where we come alive in Christ and in one another. And together we empower one another to make the next step in our faith journey, and in the building of the kingdom of God. And so my hope, friends, for each and every one of us is this, that we can come to life in Jesus Christ, that in His presence and in His person, that we can find the path that He longs for us to be walking, that we can come alive in Him in a way that is so much more powerful than anything we have ever done, and we can share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone we encounter. So let's get busy living for Jesus and loving the way that Jesus has called us in the community of God and in the world around us so that we can build the kingdom of God to his glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, you have given us your strength and hope and and your promise of life eternal. Help us to get busy living. You you give us 86,400 seconds each and every day and let us not return bankrupt from the end of each and every day, but instead let us move towards you. Let us make a difference in the world around us because we are working to live more like Jesus. We're we're working to walk in the footsteps that Jesus has first placed before us and we're, we're working to love the world around us the way that Jesus calls us to. God, help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to embrace His life within us in the light of the world that guides us towards Your purpose. Father, let us be the people that You have called that are faithfully following and pursuing Your love and Your work in this world. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone agreed and said, Amen.